really a combination. You know, some people think that they are inventing the best things since sliced bread, and these are all new ideas. Uh, and I think that there's a lot that we take for granted, uh, especially in Western civilization, that we take for granted that principles, values that we consider axiomatic are really stemming from a, a biblical tradition. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts, and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of Rabbi Dr. Daniel Friedman. Uh, good afternoon and good morning to you, uh, Daniel. Hi, Julian. Thank you so much for having me on your show. What an honor and privilege. Yeah, it's good to connect with you and uh, good to sort of uh, spend some time with you right now. Uh, just tell the audience you are the founder for Center for Torah Values, uh, which is all about making Torah meaningful, relevant and inspirational to everyday life uh, and strengthening the biblical foundations of America for a stronger U.S.-Israel relationship. And we're going we're gonna to be picking your brains on some of your uh, your learnings, your understandings, and exploring ancient texts and how they are in modern leadership thinking and how that sort of things that were thousands of years old are just as relevant today. And it'd be interesting to take some of those insights uh, and put them into our modern day sort of culture. But before we get there, uh, Daniel, I'd like to ask you, what do you love about what you do? Well, I have to say, Julian, you know, it's so refreshing uh, that you're, you know, a, a true leader is someone who thinks out of the box, is creative. And I, I don't think that someone who teaches leadership and relationships from a biblical perspective often appears on a show like your own. And so, you know, kudos to you for having that open mind to be able to share with your viewers and listeners that perspectives that they may not have considered uh, in terms of their own leadership training and an ongoing uh, ideas and and professionalism. So so that that's fabulous of you, and it really speaks to to your leadership and your creativity. Uh, so what drives me and my work is I say like this: you know, we have wisdom that has driven uh, the Jewish people and Bible believers, and that really encompasses. Christians and to a large extent Muslims as well, because the Quran is is based on biblical ideas, the same biblical heroes. Uh, when we talk about the Abrahamic religions, we're talking about billions of people here in the world who have been inspired by a, an early leader, a leader Abraham, who spoke wisdom that I mean he was preaching monotheism, he was preaching ethics and morality, and somehow his message continues to to speak to billions of people thousands of years later. And so I said to myself, you know, these messages are relevant for today, clearly. Otherwise, so many people wouldn't be living by the messages of the Bible. So how do I take biblical wisdom, Talmudic wisdom? Now, the Talmud is the oral law, which accompanies the written law. It's something that's part of the corpus of Jewish thought and belief. And to take those lessons that we have that have guided us for thousands of years and apply them and show how do we articulate those ideas to the 21st century? 
Well, it's, it is a privilege to have you on, Daniel. And uh, yes, I, I, I'm a believer in being uh, curious and being open-minded. And I think we we need to take our, our learnings uh, from every aspect, whether that's cultural, you know, difference in diversity uh, as well. So that's why you're on the show. And I, I want to bring my uh, audience, my listeners, something that will help ultimately the organization thrive, you know, through the learnings in, in leadership. So uh, it's, it's, it's a privilege to have you on, on today. And uh, so that's why I've asked you. Um, so we're talking ancient texts and you've already alluded to them. Um, and I've got a, it's interesting. I did some uh, sort of just research, just look at some sort of, uh, philosophers and I, I got some ancient texts and some of the stuff that was coming out. Uh, and this was, this was from a, a Roman philosopher called Seneca who said, treat those who are junior to you as you wish to be treated by your superiors, which is you know, quite an interesting thing that was said many thousands of years ago, and it's still very relevant today. Uh, the outworking might be slightly different, slightly, but um, in terms of the principle and the intent. And so I'd love you to share, uh, firstly, what, what ancient texts you're, you're referring to, uh, and then perhaps some examples that could really help us take some stuff that actually has been around for a long time and how we can put that into our modern day leadership. Yes, absolutely. So let's start with that quote from Seneca there, because what I want to show you is the same way that ideas that we hear abound today are not necessarily new ideas, they're just being repackaged. You know, that idea from Seneca, I could already show you its roots in the Bible. I mean, think about Abraham goes off to war to save his nephew Lot uh, who has been captured by kings in really what's a global or at least regional battle. He comes back, he wins the war. The king of Sodom says to him, okay, you know what? I, I don't need the spoils. You you take the spoils, just give me the people. And Abraham responds, no, you know, I, I don't need your money, but there have been some people who have been excellent at in this battle here are Aner, Eshkel, Mamre. They are part of my battalion. They need to be honored. They need to be given what they have earned. And so I think that also that speaks to Abraham's sensitivity to those who are perhaps you know, beneath, below him, but he has raised them up to make them the heroes of the battle. We find a similar idea when it comes to Moses. At a certain point, Moses realizes that he just can't handle it by himself. He turns to God. He says, you know, God, this is way too much for me. And we have the beginnings of the idea of, of delegation, although that also begins with Jethro's advice to Moses, who is his son-in-law. And Jethro is not Jewish. He's a Midianite priest who has uh, encountered Moses, uh, well, his daughter encountered Moses at the well in Midian. And Jethro says, and this is this is why we believe that these are universal values and not just you know one religion or another religion. Here's Jethro, not Jewish, not Christian, not Muslim, Midianite, who says the way if you want to be able to lead a people, you're going to have to delegate, you're going to have a have to have a system of corporate structure. You're going to have a number of people answer, answerable to you. Then beneath that, a number of people answerable to them. And only the most difficult issues are going to come your way. And there's a certain point where there are two fellows, Eldad and Medad, who begin to prophesy when Moses asks, well, I don't just want 
the people to answer questions of law. I want them to be able to truly lead and speak the word of God. And they're prophesying. And Joshua, who is Moses' right-hand man, and that also speaks to succession. We always need a proper succession plan in place and never think that we're going to be here forever. Joshua says, look at these fellows. Who do they think they are? They're attracting all this attention. And Moses says, no, you know, if only all of the people would be prophets. That would be amazing. This is the mission. I want everybody to be speaking the message and conveying the message. And so this honor that he is according, even those that onlookers would say, oh, well, that's a threat to his leadership. He says, no, 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 we can handle that. We should be honoring them and giving them, uh, bringing out the best of them and giving them those leadership positions. And that way we will all thrive. It will be successful. The tide will rise for all. So, I mean, you've just given a number of where you know, the delegation type principle, people, you know, in themselves, sort of leadership principle been around many thousands of years. So, how can we, I guess, take on these principles and, I guess, it's almost like, quote, nothing is new under the sun. And <laughs> people are repackaging them and not in a themselves what they're doing is bringing it into a context aren't they now and so how do we take some of those um learnings and bring them into today and what do we sort of think about when we do that so i think that business leaders today business coaches business idea creators Really a combination. You know, some people think that they are inventing the best things in sliced bread, and these are all new ideas. Uh, And I think that there's a lot that we take for granted, uh, especially in Western civilization, that we take for granted that principles, values that we consider axiomatic are really stemming from a a biblical tradition, or at least a Greco-Biblical tradition, some sort of combination of the Greeks and Romans, as well as the biblical idea, which is really where Christianity comes from. It's that combination of those two uh, cultural movements and cultural ideologies. But some things that we articulate today and we think, well, you know, this is coming from me, it really isn't. It's the milieu that we've been born to. I'll give you an example, a very basic example, murder. Right? I know this is uh, a little off the top, but I want to give you an extreme example to bring out the idea. You know, if you told somebody today, you know, do you believe that murder is a bad thing? <laughs> Hopefully, 99.99% of people will tell you, of course. Uh, but I don't need God to, to, to believe that. But there was a time thousands of years ago when we were all separated into tribes. And of course, you're not going to kill your family members. You wouldn't also kill your fellow tribes people. But to murder somebody else from a different tribe? Well, who says that that's wrong? We had to have a Bible, a system of biblical values uh, that translate into the Judeo-Christian ethic that taught us that, the, that these things are, are important, are vital, are how we are to exist as a society. Now, today, that might not be how everybody thinks and the roots everybody thinks where, they, where their intellectual uh, concepts come from. But that's okay, because the fact is they're still reproducing those ideas. And so the same thing is true of those business ideas. It's it's wonderful that 
people sometimes think that they've come up with new ideas. Chances are they've repackaged, reformulated something that's come from the past. But it's important that we do that for each generation uh, in the in a way that speaks to it. Our generation is moving. If you ask somebody in the 1700 of our era, uh, the common era, AD, how they're living versus somebody in 1700 BC, that's not a huge difference, right? Their life is pretty much the same, right? Go ahead a century, next century, you know, and then decade by decade, year by year by year, our, our lives are completely different to those of our parents and their parents. And things are moving along technologically, scientifically, at an, medically at an amazing speed. And we have to recognize that as well as leaders that the, the message might not be changing, but at least we ne- we're going to have to repackage that message, although the principles may be the same, unless we're constantly re-articulating it, we're not going to be able to get the message across. And this is why you know, sometimes you'll speak to people who, you know, from a business leadership perspective, oh, I read all the books years ago when I first started. No, that, that was great, but things have changed. Business has moved on. We do business differently. And so we need to be able to think about things in different ways. And one of the things that I do in terms of those ancient wisdom values is to be able to say, okay, we've got the values, we've got the wisdom, but how does it speak to, to who our audience is today? So, so some other examples. I mean, I you know, think about some of the, I wouldn't say necessarily greatest business leaders, but most famous business leaders, motivators like Tony Robbins. He talks about some of the, leadership ideas that are important for a good leader. He talks about confidence. He talks about focus. He talks about ability to inspire. Now, all of those ideas we certainly see in, in Abraham. I mean, Abraham, he was confident enough to face down the the tyrants of his day, King Nimrod, and say, no, I, I don't believe in idolatry. No, I don't believe that th- these idols can run the world. I believe that there must be something greater, larger out there. I mean, his focus to be able to speak to people day after day. And no doubt he was being knocked down. And this is, any entrepreneur will tell you how many times they have been knocked down and told you this is not going to work. And can you imagine Abraham who was going against the tide? How many people told him, you're being ridiculous, you know, get over it, grow up, mature, move on. This is just not, and, and he said, no, no, I'm focused. This is my mission. This is what I'm going to do. When we talk about ability to inspire, like I say, billions of people today are, uh, are living according to that, those tenets of, of Abraham. And what would you, if you were to sort of pick out, I don't know, two or three sort of core leadership principles that you've um, noted from these ancient texts that you think are even more relevant today and really important today in this, in this sort of very fast moving era we're in. And, you know, we've just been through, you know, the sort of COVID and all what happened that and, the ways how people work and interact is changing and the technology sort of piece there's some you know real sort of um the pace is just unbelievable as you say you know even you and i uh, were probably it's absolutely the last 10 years has just gone sort of really fast what would be for you from your learnings and your interactions with other people would be sort of some core things we need to take to give us a i suppose a real robustness to our leadership that would be grounded in real good principles that will help us sort of navigate certain of these sort of challenges we have in these sort of coming days. Yeah, so let, let's talk about COVID. And one of the great leaders that I'm probably my favorite leader that comes to mind uh, in the first part of the Bible is Joseph. I mean, 
your specialty, Julian, is resilience. And I don't think that there's anyone more resilient than Joseph. Joseph, who is thrown into a pit by his own flesh and blood, his own brothers, sell him into slavery. He starts making it a little in Egypt, only to be accused by Potiphar's wife of, of um, wanting to seduce her. And he is thrown into the dungeon. Now, here he was, he had this vision, this dream of grandeur, of greatness. And now he's in the dungeon. And what's he thinking? Now, most people, many people would just simply say, you know what? Nah, it was just a dream. My life is over. There's nothing. But he, he didn't. He maintained that proudness. He held his head high and said, I know that we're going to get to the right place. Now, now what's the secret? How do you do that? Here's how it is. At any moment, you could view, I mean, the classic glass half full, glass half empty, but it's more than that. Because how do you, in a dungeon, say to yourself that there's any hope for me? How do you think that, I mean, obviously, he has no idea that one day he'll be the viceroy of Egypt. But how do you even believe that there's something that I'm going to, a better place I'm going to get to? And you have to think laterally. You have to say to yourself, wait a sec. Am I just in any prison? No, no, no. I'm actually in a prison that's been dedicated to ministers of Pharaoh who have fallen out of his favor. That's where he was. He was serving Pharaoh's butler and Pharaoh's baker. He ends up interpreting their dreams and telling the baker that the, the butler that you're going to be released from prison and please mention me to Pharaoh, which he eventually does. But at that moment, he has to say to himself, I'm not just in any prison. I'm here. And this is actually a culture that I wasn't aware of. And our sages tell us in the Talmud, and like you mentioned, what I do with my Center for Torah Values is actually publish a series of books on the Talmud, on the Jewish oral law uh, that makes the ideas relevant, meaningful, inspirational to life today. So our sages tell us that the reason he was placed there was in order to learn the culture of Egypt, the high culture of Egypt. Because had he suddenly been thrust into the royalty to become the viceroy of Egypt, what would he know? What does a Hebrew slave know about leading life in a palace, leading an Egyptian people? But now he's being placed against his will in the depths of the depths, but he has to try and discern, what am I doing here? How can I transform this threat, this challenge, this problem into an opportunity? What can I learn from where I am right now? And I think that those who were able to thrive during those dark days of COVID and be mm. able to be in a, a good place today, where people ask themselves, okay, so right now, what can I do with this? What can I do with the hand that I've been dealt? What does this mean for me today? What does it mean for me long-term? And for some of us, uh, that might have simply meant a greater time with the family and loved ones and greater time to be able to care for community members. Others of us, it might have meant, okay, I'm going to take this time, however long it is, to improve my professional skills, to read more leadership books. That way, the moment I am released, I mean, I, I, one of the things that I taught my community was Nelson Mandela's book of uh, Long Walk to Freedom. When he was in South Africa in prison, it, he didn't just say, well, I'm just languishing in prison, you know, forget about it. No, every moment was important because every moment was mm. a step towards what would be 
the next stage of his life. And that's how we need to view those moments. That's, that's what resilience is. Not just saying, okay, how do I bounce back? But right now, that maybe I can't bounce back. Mm. How am I going to make the most of it and recognize those silver linings and what I can produce from these moments of darkness? Yeah, that, it's interesting. It's just it's a it's a perspective change, isn't it? As you say, he was Joseph was in a prison, and but actually start to see that as an opportunity. Who he was with, who he could talk to, the culture, and not forgetting the dream he had. He still had this dream. Um, obviously, it was probably diminishing in in the sense of darkness. I could imagine that. Um, but as you say, he kept going. He looked for the silver lining. Took the opportunity. Became curious. Uh, and and that's what resilience is. I agree with you. It's not just about getting back up again. It's about what can you learn. What's it, what, everything you do it right now will lead to the next thing, and the decisions you make and the thinking you do will lead on to that next uh, stage. So that, that's I mean that's a really and I agree core principle right now that you know organisations and individuals need to have that sort of resilience and and using that sort of sort of ancient sort of text that sort of perspective that actually as you say and, and i talk about it a lot and what i'm saying is nothing new in that sense it, it's I, I i contextualize it i mean to culture and, and to time now obviously um is there any other uh, learnings that you've found that actually this will be this is really core and key for a leader to ha- have a principle of this to help them move forward and help sort of lead their organizations yeah, so just a couple of other ideas that um, leaders like Tony Robbins speak of as key qualities. He talks about humility, he talks about being an effective communicator. And I think about those two ideas in terms of Moses, who was probably the greatest leader, um, at least of the Bible, if not um, maybe for all time, uh, to be able to take a, a people of hundreds of thousands, if not millions, out of slavery in Egypt through the wilderness for 40 years uh, to the, at least to the border of the promised land, uh, through all of those leadership challenges that that he received and to be able to lead them both materially, physically, and spiritually. And I think about these ideas of humility and effective communication, and no doubt Moses was humble and he didn't want to accept the mantle of leadership to begin with. But part of that was, I, I think that he felt that he lacked the necessary skills. He wasn't a great communicator. And sometimes, you know, we can read these guides to leadership and say, well, I I don't have that, so it's probably not for me. But that's not how he responded, and certainly not how God responded to him. He said to him, well, don't think you have it all. Nobody has it all. (laughs) Nobody's perfect. Nobody is given all of these skills and talents and expertise. You have to assemble a good team. First and foremost, if your greatest weakness, your, your Achilles heel, is your ability to communicate, then Take your brother, have a communicator, have somebody that understands you, gets Mm -hmm. you, and is able to be your mouthpiece to the world. And so one of the key paramount notions of effective leadership is to be able to recognize what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, Mm -hmm. and how do I get the right people around me to be able to supplement those areas that perhaps are not my strongest points. And when one does that, one recognizes that one is able to uh, be that leader because one has the right team. It's all about teamwork. It's all about having the right people in place and being able to have that humility to know when I have the right ideas, other people maybe have 
better ideas that I can bounce the ideas off. And together we can come up. Of course, you can't have everybody as that CEO. Somebody needs to be leading the way. But the CEO on his or her own, mm. not going to achieve anything. We need to have that uh, group um, idea to be able to come up with the ultimate right solutions. And when I say his or her, that's also an important principle, biblical principle, because we know that the Bible has always acknowledged both men's and women's leadership at various points. Uh, women uh, led the people, such as Deborah. Deborah was both the chief justice. She was a prophetess. She was the head of the army. She, she was everything. Our sages actually tell her that the captain of the army, Barak, it's not stated in the text, but happened to be her husband, right? But clearly he realized, he comes to her at, at a certain point, and he says, look, I, I, I need you. I, you know, I can't go alone. She says, are you sure? You know? And he says, yeah, absolutely. And that's a very clear directive from the Bible to note the equality of men and women, and we need the best leaders. It's not you know, gender dependent, we need to make sure that we have the best people in place. And sometimes that's going to mean that we have focused on certain qualities, and sometimes we need other qualities. And whoever those people are, we need to make sure that we are giving them their best foot forward. Yeah, and it, it seems that obviously, in ancient sort of texts, leadership is really important. And we know that that's in any organization, any group of people, but it's a small sort of group of people to a big business that leadership is vital. And you shared there about that humility. And we know that when people are demonstrate that sort of humility through, you know, displaying their sort of feignings and, and the transparency and everything else, and uh, actually people aspire to that and actually like it, it inspires people. It, it creates that sort of connection that there's a, there's a humanness here because uh, I think, that's what it does, isn't it? That openness of being sort of humble, not not that humble brag type of thing, but the the sort of one that's genuine and actually people connect because we all know we're not perfect, and that that's what that's what people sort of resonate uh, with. Really, um, it seems that all and, and this discussed a lot of leadership, isn't it? Through what you've shared, you know, both for Joseph, Moses, is is this having this self awareness, isn't it? Being aware of who we are. Uh, being aware of how we're reacting to a situation, being aware of you know what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, uh, is so vital in, in leadership. Um, just just thinking, you know, sort of moving this in forward in terms of how do we sort of we know that there's nothing new under the sun, um, but how do we take things and I guess put the the context, you know, so we talk about the speed of what we're working. How do you bring something and go and, and make it really relevant to today, and you know, not make it so it's oh, that's something of, of the old. That's 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 behind. That's that's a, that's an old that's an old idea. How do we make sure that people will listen to it? Because these things you've just shared are all relevant, but we've made it sort of now. How do we take some ideas of of old and make them not just fresh, but just people feel that they'll engage with it and make it relevant. Right. So, of course, um, I, I'm sure you're, you're aware, Julian, that there's nothing new under the sun with the words of King Solomon. Uh, ideas like that, phrase, phrases like that, that have entered our regular vernacular that are just so normal to who we are because they've been instilled in us. 
um, through the generations. So in terms of taking it, those ideas that we're familiar with and making them relevant, I think for starters, I think that we need to be able to be conveying the ideas to our children at a young age when we're teaching them these stories, uh, many of them learning them in Sunday school uh, and church, synagogue, mosque, uh, and, and showing our, our children that these are relevant ideas and these speak to the concepts and life today and not just making them abstract out there, something that once happened real. Every time I tell a story, why am I telling a story? What difference does it make to, to my life? Especially as kids become, turn into teenagers and then young adults, but, but at any stage of life. And then for ourselves, and this is not always so simple to be able to translate the abstract narrative from the ancient texts and be able to place it into our own lifetimes. And sometimes we need people to guide us. You know, books uh, that are that are bound today, books, podcasts, uh, that show us how to weave those ideas into today's narrative. Like I say, my Transformative Duff series does just that. Uh, 10 volumes in at the moment that takes biblical ideas, Talmudic ideas, and shows how everything that I thought, just reading it now, what does that mean to me? Who cares about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rachel, Rebecca, Leah, on, on and on, who cares? Oh, here's why you should care. Because everything that they did in the words of Nachmanides writing in the 13th century in Barcelona, Spain, he says, everything that happened was a sign of something that would happen later, even within the Bible itself. Abraham has to escape the famine in the land of Canaan, and so he goes down to Egypt. That is foreshadowing that later his descendants, the children of Israel, will have to descend to Egypt because of a famine. And history repeats itself in that manner, of course, that we have this linear idea of history that one day we reach this utopian notion of when the world will become greater. And hopefully we are getting there in terms of uh, becoming a nicer place for all and a more tolerant place for all. But along the way, certain ideas do repeat themselves. And if we can figure out that cycle from those ancient texts and say, how, what are we seeing today that seem to mirror things that happened mm. in the past, then we are making those ideas relevant to our lives today. Uh, it's been a fascinating conversation, Daniel. And um, it's great to, you know, even me, me saying about, you know, there's nothing new under the sun and how that is a, uh, an ancient text in itself. And, and how to, you know, not to dismiss some of these wonderful principles and values and insights, uh, but just take them and bring them into this day and age and into the age we're in right now and how to make them relevant. And yes, put our spin on them. Yes, put our, our lived experience on them uh, to make it um, so people connect and it becomes more meaningful. Um, if people are interested in, in connecting with you and getting to know you, um, what's the best way of doing that, Daniel? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me across social media at Rabbi Daniel Friedman, uh, except uh, YouTube, it happens to be at Rabbi Dosh, Dash Daniel Dash Friedman. But otherwise, LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, uh, please do look me up or transformativeduff at gmail.com. Uh, that's the name of my book or transformativeduff.com is my website. Uh, thank you so much, Julian, for having me on your program today. It's been a real pleasure, wonderful to speak with you. And thank you again for your openness. Yeah, thank you. Much appreciated.
Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com. Thank you.